Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. And thank you all so much for joining us today. The number is 844-500-4242, but don't call in yet because we're very lucky. We've got a great guest on, and we're actually picking up from where we left off last week. Ben Weingarten joins me now, and if you want to follow him, you can follow his Substack. You can follow him on Twitter at BH Weingarten. He writes for a number of different outlets. And Ben, I want to start with DEI because last week, and I'm glad that I, I ended up throwing this question in there at the last minute, we were talking about so many different topics, and you had a piece in the New York Post and you were calling out Obama for trying to save Claudine Gay and keep her on as the president of Harvard. And you pointed out that it wasn't so much that he has similarities in the way he feels about Israel or, you know, things like that, although that does play a factor. You point out that he's not trying to save Claudine Gay. He was trying to save DEI and this industry that has become so pervasive at these universities and really across a lot of industries in this country. Now, Bill Ackman has a 4,000 word, they're calling it screed on on Harvard, claiming DEI is racist. I wanted your reaction to the news that Claudine Gay stepped down, and I want you to explain to my audience whether or not you think that this is a big problem for the DEI industry. Well, first, thanks for having me, Grace. And I am somewhat pleasantly surprised that Claudine Gay did step down. I thought that uh, Harvard, the Harvard Corporation, which is sort of the board that selected her from, I think, over 600 candidates, which is remarkable in and of itself. I thought they were going to continue to circle the wagons and defend her. And let's be clear, despite the fact that she resigned and they accepted her resignation, amazingly, you'll search in vain for there to be any sort of contrition in either of the statements put out by Gay or the Harvard Corporation, this board, admitting to issues around a vetting process that would lead to a serial plagiarist in this position, a person in this position who would essentially run interference for and allow the festering of and the explosion, really, of Jew hatred on the campus post-October 7th, let alone, of course, any acknowledgement or accountability around the fact that Jew hatred is a feature, not a bug, of the DEI worldview. It's a natural byproduct of it, and that that is an ideological cancer that predominates on the campus, and that Claudine Gay herself was instrumental in injecting into every aspect of Harvard. So they are doing everything they can not to address this scandal and this amazing scandal on the merits. Uh, Harvard Corporation, of course, did nothing to address the fact they went after the New York Post and were threatening them over their investigation of this. There's apparently a whistleblower who raised the issues of plagiarism, and uh, these Harvard administrators seemingly are going after the administrator. So it's scandal upon scandal upon scandal. They don't admit 
the malfeasance, the gross misconduct. They don't. They basically play the victim here, and in these statements, say Claudine Gay was the victim of a racist and you know, de facto right wing attack. Uh, conservatives pouncing here. They don't want to address the merits of it, and that I think suggests, and my argument was accurate, that they are doing everything they possibly can, of course, to cover their own hides, but then also to protect the broader DEI regime, which is the basis for the fact that a serial plagiarist could end up in this position, and that this person would be testifying before Congress and saying, well, advocating for genocide and inciting attacks on Jews on your campus could be okay de- depending, depending on the context for the same people who will call it a hanging offense if you articulate a microaggression or, God forbid, misgender someone. So the entire rotten and corrupted DEI regime remains, but the unhinged and hysterical response and that the best response that they can level is essentially, well, this is based in racism and bigotry, that, and that the real story is the attack on Claudine Gay and Harvard, I think shows you that they have zero legs to stand on. And so I think the DEI regime today is infinitely weaker than it was yesterday, but there has to be a follow-through. This isn't just Claudine Gay, who, by the way, retains her faculty position at Harvard, where she'll make almost a million bucks a year, supposedly, despite, again, being the serial plagiarist. And if you were a student there, you'd be expelled and disgraced for the rest of your life as a consequence of doing what she did. But this is way bigger than just Claudine Gay and just at Harvard. This is about the DEI regime itself. Harvard is an, a critical part of it, as arguably the most prestigious academic institution in the country. And the question now is going to be, will this be the first domino of many dominoes to fall? Or will the DEI regime itself coalesce, stand strong, and there be no further follow through? And Bill Ackman in that 4,000 word tweet essay or X essay that you reference, he talks about Here's what Harvard has to do next. And I would argue, and I tweeted this out, that what he lays out there is a good roadmap for reforming and removing the cancer of DEI from every major academic institution in this country because the rot and corruption, the cancer, exists and has metastasized in every major influential and elite so-called academic institution in this country. Yeah. And, you know, you just brought up the point that uh, a lot of the people in the, uh, the at the governing board in Harvard are trying to cover their own behinds. And I didn't really think about it in that way until today, because when you think about it, it's like, OK, so Claudine Gay, she resigns. And then naturally, it's not going to end there because we all know that it's not one person who's responsible for this. The rod is pretty deep. And so Bill Ackman in that screed in that in that X screed that he put up, He's calling for an overhaul of the governing board. And so now I'm starting to think, Ben, well, maybe they just wanted to keep her on because they knew the second that they actually, you know, uh, acquiesced and she had to hit the road that they were going to be next up on the chopping block. It's absolutely right. And look, there was some speculation that one of the reasons Barack Obama stepped in here was that Penny Pritzker is the top person at the Harvard Corporation. Penny Pritzker was an Obama cabinet official, a a huge Democratic bundler and supporter. And so consequently, part of this was about protecting Penny Pritzker because she is exposed here. And so is the rest of the Harvard Corporation exposed because they led a search process that, again, as I noted, I think considered 600 candidates 
and resulted in this disaster of a selection, even though they strain to defend her and talk about how filled with sorrow they are. I think that's a word they use in the letter about having to accept her resignation letter. So there's egg on the face of a lot of people at Harvard. There were also Harvard faculty members who did the review of the academic work and themselves didn't come to the conclusion or didn't advocate for dinging her, Claudine Gay, as a consequence of the plagiarism, the numerous instances of plagiarism in her works. So there's egg on everyone's face, but I think a really important takeaway that cannot be emphasized enough here is that DEI itself prioritizes politics via identity, and really it's it's really left-wing ideology but cloaked in identity to give it some kind of moral and virtuous veneer over merit, over excellence, achievement, and virtue. And so if you have a search process that is in search of a DEI leader rather than a leader of an excellent academic institution that's going to advance the nation ultimately and all those who attend it and benefit from it, you're going to end up with a Claudine Gay as a candidate, almost definitionally. Because again, DEI is about politics and ideology over merit. And Bill Ackman's looking at this from the perspective of a hedge fund investor who will come into a company with an investment and try to create value where value is being destroyed or missed. And so he's saying, look, as a business, Harvard's a failing business, and this person did not have the qualifications to oversee that business. That's one way of looking at it. If Harvard's in the business of pursuing academic excellence, making breakthroughs in a whole slew of fields, creating the smartest and most capable, most prudent, with the best judgment and virtue kind of leaders in the future, that's totally incompatible with DEI. And I think Ackman does get to that point in his letter, but I think it's just so important to emphasize. This is a natural consequence. Again, this is a feature, not a bug of DEI, is putting people in positions of power who are not there on the basis of merit or pursuing excellence and virtue, but rather politics and ideology. And this is what you get, and the result is a disastrous product for the country. It goes for the same at Harvard as it does for the federal government. DEI prioritizes politics via identity over merit and excellence. Okay, so that is for me something I can go back on now when I'm when I'm discussing this or when I'm researching DEI. That's kind of at the root of this problem. Now, Ben, I, I want to ask you, I want to switch gears kind of, it's all under the same umbrella here, but there's been so many of these protests and I don't have a lot of time left, but we saw it at JFK, uh, Portland's PDX airport was also, um, was also one of the locations for these anti-Israel protests. And a friend of mine called me this morning, Ben, and said, you know, I remember after January 6th, the FBI, there was such a sense of urgency on identifying everyone who was involved in it. And, you know, this was going to overthrow democracy and this was dangerous. And now we have these protests where and it hasn't been confirmed yet, but there's a lot of suspicion that a balloon was released at JFK to disrupt some of the flights. And these things are getting really out of out of hand. They're not mostly peaceful. They're very dangerous. And there's there's just not that same sense of urgency from our betters and the FBI, our Christopher Rays, to get to the bottom of this or even to classify these protesters as threats. Can you just give us your reaction to that? Just imagine if it was MAGA doing what if it was people in red baseball caps doing what the pro Hamas protesters are doing across this country. You know it about that balloon at the airport. 
that literally threatens our national security. Right. That could lead to mass deaths. You know, it's not just people impeding commuters at a New York City rail station. It's actually threatening people's lives and more than causing chaos or economic damage. These are violent rioters. They're not characterized as such. There's no effort, like you noted, some massive dragnet of the national security apparatus to spring into action and try to track cell phone pings and figure out who was in this location on this date and go through the records and every single person they had contact with and where the money came from and what the groups are who are organizing all of these events in the first place. And are there any public funds that are going to the groups that are organizing these riots in cities across the country? None of it whatsoever. Why? In large part because these are, de- these are Democrats or Democrat-adjacent protesters or rioters, or minimally people the administration does not want to alienate going into a 2024 mm-hmm. election where the ascendant progressive left wing in the Democratic Party is with these pro-Hamas sympathizers. So it's a disaster from the perspective of U.S. national security and the rule of law, and it's also a political scandal of the highest order as well. That last part about the voters, that's the part that drives me crazy. It's not just that these lunatics are jeopardizing people's lives. It's that the president of the United States is bending over backwards to make sure that these same lunatics don't get upset and they don't get mad at him. And they still continue to vote for Joe Biden, who at one point, Ben, was billed as some sort of moderate grandfathery Democrat. And this is this is the group of people that he's trying to appease. Ben Weingarten, we thank you so much for coming on the show. Everyone should follow Ben on Twitter at BH Weingarten. He has a link there to his Substack, which you should also check out. And he writes for so many different outlets, including Real Clear Investigates, which you can check out as well. Thank you, Ben. We hope to have you on soon. Keep up the good work. And in the meantime, I want to talk to you all about a great place where you can go if you're trying to unwind. If you're like me right now, you're feeling a little stressed. This is, you know, they say after you plan a wedding, Jared, you get the the post-wedding blues. I think a lot of people, and I've seen this in my life, I think a lot of people get the post-holiday blues where you go from all these festivities and all these events planned and, you know, your schedule's jam-packed and then there's a little lull and you can feel a little bit down like you have nothing to look forward to. That's where the Nasa Beach Inn comes in and that's the solution for you is to book a room at this beautiful spot. Yeah, take a break from the two months of gray that are looking ahead of you. After the holidays, uh, I love the Nasset Beach Inn. It's right down in Cape Cod. And the Nasset Beach Inn is on Nasset Beach. And I mean, you're on the beach. You walk outside your room. You are literally steps from the beach. And it's the Cape. It's the beach in winter. So you get that nice tranquilness. You can hear the waves. You don't hear, you know, people screaming and all these loud noises and everything else is associated with the summer. You can watch the sunrise in peace, whether you want to sit in your room and look out the picture window. Because every room has a picture window and a fireplace, so you get super cozy when you're inside there. Or if you want to go outside and sit by the fire pit, you can watch the sunrise. You can also watch the moonrise. You can see stars. It's pet friendly. If you want to, you know, take a little vacation, bring the pup down, have him walk along the beach. You can do that as well. The views, like I said, from any room are fantastic. Being right on the beach, it's it's the perfect getaway, and you're going to be able to get away. A, to a hotel, which is tough to do these days, 
and B, for a better price than anywhere you're going to find. Yes, because right now you can stay at the Nossi Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. To reserve your ocean view room, you can go to NossetBeachInn.com. That's NossetBeachInn.com. Again, just go to NossetBeachInn.com to reserve your room today. When we come back, we have a lot more to get to, so you're not going to want to change that dial. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. Let's do the poll question here. Before I, I want to get back into those protesters we were just talking about with Ben Weingarten. And then in the next segment, we're going to get into the Jimmy Kimmel, Aaron Rodgers feud that I'm really captivated by. And I don't know why, why that is. I don't know if it's just because I can't stand Jimmy Kimmel. I was trying to explain this to Taylor and during the 1 o'clock break. I said there are certain liberals in the media who drive me crazy in the sense that I disagree with their ideology, I disagree with their beliefs, but I can find them amusing or I can find them entertaining. Like Al Sharpton, for example, I disagree with a lot of things Al Sharpton says, but he doesn't get under my skin in the same way that Jimmy Kimmel does. And I think what it comes down to... They're locking up my toothpaste. I think what it comes down to is the arrogance. It's the condescending way that Jimmy Kimmel operates. And it's also, it's twofold. It's also the fact that he's supposed to be funny. Like some of these people are supposed to be serious. They're funny without trying to be funny. But he's trying to be funny. And I've, I've, I don't think I've ever laughed at anything he's ever done. And so we'll, we'll get into that. But right now, the poll question is brought to you by the Nasa Beach Inn. Right now, you can stay at the Nasa Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. To reserve your pet-friendly ocean view room, go to NasaBeachInn.com. That's NasaBeachInn.com. Jared, what is the poll question, and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at GraceCurleyShow.com, is will MIT President Sally Kornbluth resign? I think she will, because now, even though I think trying to claim that trying to claim that Claudine Gay was fired because of racism is ridiculous because Liz McGill resigned and she didn't even have the plagiarism charges against her. But I still think that because a black woman like Claudine Gay had to resign and the woman left, the last man standing is a white woman, Sally Kornbluth from MIT. I do think She's going to have to hit the road. 40% say yes. 60% say no. Okay, so this is part of... We're not going to have enough time. There's never enough time. There's never enough time for anything. Monday's... This is from the New York Post. Monday's anti-Israel protest at John F. Kennedy International Airport is just the latest action designed to hamstring life in New York City while blasting out anti-Semitic venom. Expect us, now this is the group within our lifetime, expect us everywhere, at any time, at any day, during holidays and busy seasons, in the streets, airports, and stations. This is from Fatima Mohammed, who is one of the organizers. She wrote on X, until we get justice, the city will not rest. And if that bothers you, you go cry about it to President Biden, who's butchering our people. Now, I want to discuss this when we come back, and I want to talk about the balloons over JFK Airport. There's still an investigation into whether or not this had anything to do with the protests. And, you know, I'm not a 
I'm not a diligent investigator. I'm not from the FBI, but I have a hunch here. I have a hunch that the balloons that happen to be there at the same time as the protesters, they could all be tied together. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how pathetic it is that these lunatics are the people that Joe Biden needs to coddle in order to maybe win the 2024 election. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. I don't know if I will be able to articulate what I'm thinking right now, which is always a good start, but I'm going to try. I'm going to give it the old college try. Not that that means anything anymore. One of the texters pointed out, and we're still not sure yet, there's an investigation underway as to whether or not the balloons released at JFK, which make no mistake, Ben Weingarten was not exaggerating. That's a national security risk. Releasing balloons so that airplanes can't land. That's a problem. And it's a serious problem. And there's still investigations that I'm sure cannot be jeopardized with sources and methods that are looking into whether or not this has to do with the protesters who were coincidentally at JFK that same day. And one of my textures, because you are all brilliant beyond belief, besides being racist and out to get Claudine Gay, you're also very smart. Um, And I'm kidding, of course. It's not our fault that she chose to plagiarize. One of the textures pointed out that the balloons, releasing balloons, that he thought balloons were against climate policies. You know, the balloons are bad for the environment. And the craziest part is we're talking about Blah, 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 blah. We're talking about this hierarchy of, like, oppression and how certain groups, like right now, maybe in some other times, DEI might see Jews as, you know, higher up on the, the oppression hierarchy. But right now, they're not. So they're at the bottom of the, the list. And a, a lot of progressive Jews in this country are seeing this and going, wait a second, I, I, I was, you know, marching alongside everybody during all of these causes. And now suddenly, Jewish people aren't can't be the victims. It doesn't matter how horrible the massacre is. And it doesn't matter how horrible the situation is. And so I'm thinking about this, and Ben Weingarten was describing this, and how if you see everything through the prism of race, but in a weird way, these causes that the left has become so obsessed with are also ranked, Jared. Like certain causes, it's almost like rocks, paper, scissor. Certain causes outweigh other causes. And so in this case, like when you look at these young uh, activists who are at museums and throwing SpaghettiOs at priceless works of art, they say, we, we will do whatever it takes because this cause is so important. It's so important that it does not matter what we have to ruin. The ends justify the means. Oh, wait a second. No. Now the pro-Palestinian cause is so important that everything's on the table, including releasing the balloons that at one point that would be seen as a grave you know act of hate towards planet earth but now it's okay because as i pointed out one cause trumps the other cause and it's this back and forth and we had libby emmons on a couple weeks ago and she said the people these same people who are putting down their climate signs are picking up their pro-palestinian signs and it's really really true and so you have the FBI and they are not very interested in figuring out 
what these activists are up to. And I'm sure they'll take their sweet time with this balloon investigation. It'll take as long as the Chinese spy balloon took to figure out who was behind it. Maybe it's a weather balloon and they're just collecting data. But remember how fast they acted with everyone, everyone's names and identifications after January 6th? It was a manhunt because so much was at stake, of course. And now you have these losers sitting on freeways in California, disrupting flights out of JFK and Portland, drawing swastikas on delis, smearing red paint on the gates of the White House. And Christopher Ray and the A-Team, I don't know if they're at the Adirondacks, I, I don't know if it's vacation time, but there's not the same sense of urgency. But don't worry, you can you can rest easy because I, I don't get the feeling that any of these free Palestine protesters are pro-life. You know, I don't get the sense that they attend Latin masses. So they're not actual threats. They're releasing balloons at JFK. They're disrupting, you know, flight patterns, but they're not dangerous like some of the maggot people might be. And I know I touched on this in yesterday's program, which you can always get wherever you get your podcasts. But this is what I find so laughable about Biden is that he's terrified of losing these people. And it's it, it's not that I, I don't understand why he's scared of that, because he should be scared of it in this in politically. I mean, they are a chunk of his voting demographic. There's no denying it. But watching it's something about watching this senile old fool who was propped up lest you forget, in 2020, as a moderate grandpa, watching this moderate grandpa now try to kowtow to these gangs of radical Jew haters is really something to behold. And he can't say, listen, he he can't come out and say, well, he can't really say much of anything at this point, but he can't come out and say, listen, I need these lunatics to vote for me. So instead, he has to put up this veneer of, oh, Bibi needs to be worried and Israel needs to be worried about goodwill from the international community. First of all, I'm sick of hearing about the international community. I miss the Trump days when the international community was at the very least on their toes a little bit before they continually disrespected America. But second of all, because when he says international community, it's like the UN, you know, these people who can't condemn women being raped in Israel. This is the international community we're so worried about. But second of all, Biden's not worried about Bibi losing the support of the international community. He's worried about himself, as always. He's worried that these spoiled, rotten, ignorant Ivy League morons. But I repeat myself, that's kind of a you don't need to keep Ivy League and morons. You guys get the get the point there. But these spoiled, rotten brats that he answers to are going to slap him around on Election Day. That's what he's worried about. And he's not, again, he's not wrong to be worried. But how pathetic is it that the president of the United States, we're supposed to be Israel's greatest ally. And he's walking around being like, you got to be careful, you know, you don't want to upset people. No, you don't want to upset people. You don't want to upset people who are openly hating on Jewish people who are openly being anti-Semitic, you don't want to upset them. You're worried. You're bending over backwards to make them happy because you were a Trojan horse for their policies and their agenda, and they always get their way. And right now, he is, he's trapped in such a tough spot between wanting to give them what they want, you know, wanting to make them happy, and also 
also keeping up at least the appearance of being an ally of Israel. Ron, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Ron. Happy New Year. What's going on? Right back at you, by the way. The uh, <laughs> DEI stands for Democrats Exclude Israel. The, um, the outrage is the anti-Semitism. It's not, it's not the plagiarism. I mean, if you were going to go down for one of, one of two things, would you rather go down as a plagiarist or a Nazi? And, um, you know, the Democrats love to label everybody else, and I think it's time to just blast them with the label cannons um, as pedophiles and, and uh, anti-Semites and everything like that. Make them wear the labels that they are. Um, it's okay for it's okay for people to walk around in public with their underwear on the outside of their clothes, and for men to wear nail polish and all this other stuff. But if you show a star of David, uh, look out! You know they have to hide their identity. They have to hide in they have to hide in uh, in library rooms uh, for fear of being beaten up on college campuses. Yeah, and, and you know what, Ron? I'm uh, I forgot to mention this, but. Even though Howie's on vacation, I called him today to tell him something. Because when I drive to work, I hit this rotary, right? And every once in a while, there's a group there. It's the same group. And they're for peace. And I I didn't really, I I never really noticed this group. Now, to be fair, I'm semi-new to the neighborhood. But I didn't notice this group until right after October 7th. That's just something I would add in here. I think the timeline is a little bit important. I didn't notice this group until after October 7th. They... They came in like wildfire. And it's the usual suspects. You know, it's it's the pink-hatted, you know, hate-has-no-home-here crowd. And they stand. It's not a large group, okay? It's more of a Cynthia Nixon-style get-together of like six or seven people. And they had all these signs, ceasefire, Israel, demand, you know, Israel has a ceasefire. And I used to drive by. I, I drove by them tw- probably twice. And I would give them the biggest stare down because in my mind, I was like, and not that they even noticed, you know, they're up to lunch. But I would get so angry in my car because I wanted to scream at them. What about Hamas? Like, I don't see Hamas anywhere on your signs. You have all these signs about Israel. You, you managed to whip those up real quick. And I don't see anything about Hamas. Where's the outrage against Hamas? Where's the outrage against the terrorists who raped women, who cut off women's breasts and then played with them in the streets? Played with the, the breasts of a woman in the streets because that's how sick these people are. And you don't have one flipping sign for them, but you got plenty for Israel. You don't hesitate to criticize Israel. And the other thing that popped up into my head is, where was the ceasefire Ukraine crowd? I never saw anybody rushing to say ceasefire. I saw plenty of Ukrainian flags, but nobody was calling for a ceasefire. Nobody was calling for a, You couldn't even call for a peaceful resolution. You couldn't even hint at the idea that maybe down the line you wanted bloodshed to stop in Ukraine without being called a puppet of Putin. And so I would think about that every time I drive by them. And today I woke up, get in my car, drive to the rotary, and the crew is there. And they had some signs. I noticed they had some Ukraine ceasefire signs. In other words, I don't think I was the only one who might have thought about that. And somebody else probably pointed it out to them. Somebody might have seen this crowd, this group of courageous activists and said, where were you guys with Ukraine? Why why is it all about Israel? And I noticed this. I'm not Jewish. And I have a lot of Jewish friends who come on the show. I listen to a lot of, you know, Jewish podcasters and things like that, but I'm not Jewish. 
but I'm still seething about it. Because it's wrong. And if you're even half paying attention, you see this hypocrisy. And, and every time I get an article about what happened on October 7th, and I know it's gruesome, and I know it's graphic, and I know for some people it's probably very triggering, I do send it to, for example, I'll send it to my sister. She's a younger person living in this, you know, living in this current day and age, and I'll send it to her, and she'll say, oh, it's awful, you know, it's awful, like, ugh. And I'm sure she's thinking, why does she keep sending me these things? But I send it to her because she has to understand. She has to understand that this isn't just some bl- like blip that you see, some story that you go, oh, that's really sad, and you move on with your life. It's coming here next. They don't just shout, you know, down with Israel or death to Israel. You know what comes after that? Death to America. And all of these young protesters are so ignorant and they, they, they're so quick to spread propaganda and to, you know, accuse everyone else of, of being complicit in genocide. And they've got no words for Hamas. They've got no tough talk for the terrorists. It's just something to remember. 844-500-4242. When we come back, we're going to finally get into the Kimmel versus Aaron Rodgers situation. Again, talk about a story where I'm looking at this and there's so many different roads I could go down as far as why Jimmy Kimmel is such an ass. I mean, he's just, he's making a fool of himself. And he's, he's really, though, he's a perfect, Jared, he's like the archetype. He's a perfect example of a liberal. He can say whatever he wants. He can throw out whatever accusations he wants. But if you dare play his game with him, <gasps> Jimmy's going to get his lawyers involved. Jimmy's upset. Jimmy's not happy. Jimmy's ready. Jimmy's got some new moves. Check Jimmy out. Check Jimmy out, but don't get Jimmy mad because he's going to call up his fancy Hollywood lawyers. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers, I really get the sense Aaron Rodgers is shaking in his boots right now. We'll talk about that when we come back. Jimmy's down! We will get right back to this. But one thing that I wanted to let people know about, it's getting really cold. The last couple of days, Jared, that's when I really started to feel like it's it's time. Winter is is here. Yeah, 29 this morning was almost balmy compared to yesterday. Yeah. And it's, you know, you got to sit in your car. And I keep thinking to myself, why, do, why don't I start my car before? Why do I wait till I get in here? But it's so cold out. But I have good news for you. Because my friends at Eaton Pure, they're offering you a great deal on the Gen 40 heater. And this is a wonderful device for this time of year. This is something that's going to help heat up your house, heat up your office, heat up your living room, wherever you sit in your house when you're watching a movie at night. Without having to heat up everything, without, without having to heat up the rooms you never walk into. In that way, the Gen 40 heater is not only keeping you toasty warm, it's saving you a lot of money. Right, Jared? Yeah, you made it this far without having to crank up the heat and burn through the oil. So we've got some cold weather coming in, storm this weekend. Help yourself out. Get the Gen 40 heaters. You can supplement and not have to burn through the oil as fast as you would or use as much gas as you normally would. And I like the Gen 40 because a lot of the Eden Pure heaters have this. They have a very cool mid-century look. This kind of wood paneling and nice uh, black faces to it and angles and things like that. So it actually looks like a really nice piece of furniture. So you're warm and you get to look at this nice, you know, nice design thing, not some giant 
jet engine in the middle of your floor. And if you use code GRACE50, you get to save $50 on it. So you're going to go to EdenPureDeals.com. You're going to type in GRACE50. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Type in GRACE50. And you're going to save $50 and you're going to get free shipping. I don't know. They're just feeling generous. Okay. It doesn't matter that Christmas is over. They're still they're still feeling festive and they want to save you money. So to get your hands on the Eden Pure Gen 40 heater, go to EdenPureDeals.com, click on the Gen 40 heater, and then in the little bar where you can enter your promo code, enter Grace50. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. All right, let's get into the drama. Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee Show on ESPN, and this is what he said. Can I have cut eight, please, Jared? This has something to do with the Epstein list that came out. <laughs> feels like it's <laughs> <feels like, laughs> supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out soon. Look, this guy's been it's waiting in his wine people. cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in my wine <laughs> cellar for this <laughs> thing. <laughs> a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't die. Okay, so, so, Jimmy Kimmel gets very upset. He goes on Twitter and he writes, Dear Bleep, for the record, I've not met, flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft-brained wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Keep it up and we will debate the facts further in court at Aaron Rodgers. So he's getting his lawyers involved because he's very upset. He feels like he's being defamed. Now, there's a few parts of this that are really amusing. But one of them that I think is important to note here is that Jimmy Kimmel started this. Aaron Rodgers never roped him into the Epstein client list until he made fun of him on his show for even talking about it. Uh, Flashback here. This is cut seven. Needless to say, all this UFO talk has the tinfoil hatters going wild, including Green Bay whack packer Aaron Rodgers, who offered this hot take on the Pat McAfee show. I, I believe that this has been going on for a long time. Interesting uh, timing on everything. There's a lot of other things going on in the world. Did you hear about the Epstein client list uh, about to be released, too? What's that? What are you talking about? There's some files that have, have some names on it that might be uh, getting released pretty soon. Oh. Oh. <laughs> might be time to revisit that concussion protocol, Aaron. <laughs> okay, so that was one joke. It turns out he's made a ton of jokes about Aaron Rodgers, making fun of him, saying he's a nut job. And now he's mad that Aaron Rodgers is responding back because one of his teammates had said, you know, tell me you're on the Epstein client list without telling me about Jimmy Kimmel. I'm not saying that's true. And Jimmy Kimmel says that's not true. But my point is, he said that you don't want the list released. And by the way, you're making fun of him and calling him a conspiracy theorist and insulting his character and his intelligence by talking about the Epstein client list. I would say that It's a fair assessment that you don't want it released. Not saying why, not saying there's anything to do with that. Just saying if you go after someone as a a conspiracy theorist for even talking about it, then I think that's a, a safe assumption. Furthermore, as the Twitter handle Mostly Peaceful Memes pointed out, 
Yeah, how dare he make wild, unfounded, and obscene accusations about someone and then a headline that says, Jimmy Kimmel convinced Trump P-tape exists beyond a treasonable doubt. So yeah, we wouldn't want to make false accusations, right? Or else we have to get our lawyers involved at Aaron Rodgers.